There now follows a podcast from the Damien Jen World Service, here in London, as part of their Not Just Crew Destination Unknown season. This audio production has been produced in association with Air Support International Airways. I'll do it for a couple of years or something and just see how it feels and see if I like it. Uh, and, and very quickly, I kind of gave up any thoughts of carrying on with my acting and just loved flying. I, I just love the people. I love the destinations. You know, I was 21 years old. Well, a, a very uh, special uh, welcome to my guest today, uh, Ali Murphy, ex-Long Haul Cabin Crew member and our award-winning uh, voice artist, whose awards include a winner of the Best E-Learning Performance in 2019. She's also been nominated for Best Female TV Commercial, Best E-Learning and Female Game Performance, and Female Artist of the Year two years running. Well, Ali, uh, now as a successful uh, voice artist in the UK, gets to fly first class globally. Well, Ali, uh, welcome to you, and thank you so much for joining us on a Not Just Crew. Uh, I just wondered uh, what you've been up to recently with all this uh, uh, COVID-19, as I know you're a, a very, very busy mum. Yes, yeah, I've got a, a, a 10-month-old baby, so um, it's been busy in that sense as well. But I'm, I'm very lucky because I can still work. I have a studio at home, so I work from home anyway. And, uh, and I've had a lot of clients, a lot of corporate clients doing lots of voiceover for COVID-19. So um, recently it's been the whole getting back to work and be safe and things like that. So I've been, I've been lucky and still working from home. Yeah, I was going to say, well, for those of uh, you who don't recognise Ali's voice, she's been uh, kind enough to do our uh, voice of our very glamorous uh, 1950s uh, air stewardess on our opening and closing uh, credits. So uh, thank you for that, uh, Ali. And you do certainly add a, a touch of uh, glamour. Oh, well, thank you. <laughs> thank you. Well, as the uh, title of our uh, podcast uh, suggests, uh, we are aimed at uh, cabin crew. Uh, and other things about being cabin crew. I just wondered, how did you actually get into flying in the first place? Well, it was uh, back in 2002. I I was at theatre school, um, like evening classes of theatre school, and I uh, wasn't getting very far. And uh, one of my other fellow students uh, started working. He was working for Britannia, and he... Uh, in class one day was saying that he was going he couldn't make class next week because he was going to Orlando for five nights and I was like well hang on a minute that sounds amazing and being a sort of out of work actor I was trying to I was doing temping jobs working as, as secretaries and receptionists and and I wasn't particularly inspired by any of that and I thought well flying sounds fun so I looked to see who was recruiting and Virgin uh, were the only ones recruiting at the time so I applied to them and uh, very fortunately got in so was it was long haul flying your aim or would you have uh, flown uh, short haul as well or was it literally just have to be a long haul I was looking yeah I wanted something long haul I wanted those long flights I wanted to travel and um, I I wasn't yeah I didn't really fancy sort of going somewhere and not getting off so. <laughs> yeah I certainly know that thing so when you actually did um, start flying um, did you know it was going to be short term. What, what, what was your uh, career plan when you uh, started? Well, I think like everybody, I kind of just thought, oh, well, I'll do it for a couple of years or something and just see how it feels and see if I like it. Uh, and, and very quickly, I kind of gave up any thoughts of carrying on with my acting and just loved flying. I, I just love the people. I love the destinations. You know. 
yeah, so I was just loving the flying and I loved the the, the, the experiences that I was having. I was 21 years old and just, it was all so new and exciting. So I, I just gave up on the acting and just carried on with the flying and then I uh, ended up being there for 14 years. Wow, 14 years. So what, what was the... Um... What was the final uh, event that actually made you uh, decide uh, to give up your wings? And by the way, uh, when you gave your uniform back, uh, did you keep the wings? Well, yes, I did. I did keep my wings. In fact, I've got them in a little uh, display case um, with, the, with the photo of my with my last flight and with the the map from the, from the flight deck. Uh, oh wow! Yeah, it was really lovely. I well, I was kind of starting to. I was losing the love for it a little bit. Everything had changed. It wasn't the job that I'd started with. It was, um, you know, the the reduction in the crew numbers. So, work itself was really taxing, and um, I just wasn't getting the experiences that I used to. And when voluntary redundancy came up back in 2016, um, my now husband said to me. Look, if you could do anything and money didn't matter, what would you do? And I thought, well, you know, I'd, I'd, I'd still loved acting and I'd done a few voiceovers over the years just for random things that I'd managed to get. I was, I was um, on a Weight Watchers advert because I genuinely lost weight and, uh, and I did a few voiceovers for them and I, I just loved being behind the microphone. And so I said to my husband, you know, I just, I would, I would do voiceovers. I, I just want to go back into that kind of acting and I didn't really have much confidence in my on-screen ability at the time because I thought you know I've been out of it for too long and um, I I had I'd received some horrible um, comments when I was a younger actress about my appearance so I was a bit paranoid about that anyway oh, so no. for me the voiceover was it was a kind of a safe place to be and uh, and I just love the fact that when you're when you're a voiceover you can just be anything you can be any character you can be old you can be young you can it doesn't matter what you look like you can just act with your voice so uh so yeah so when he when he said that and I I had a good think about it and thought oh, I do I do voiceovers and for Christmas he bought me a little um uh, home studio setup and um, so the basic setup and and I spent a few months in, in my cupboard um practicing voices and doing characters <laughs> and reading scripts and then took some courses and it just kind of evolved from there so when redundancy came up I was like you know what I'm gonna I'm gonna go for it I um, invested all the money that I'd got from my redundancy package in training and networking and uh and luckily I mean it all kind of the stars aligned for me in that sense because I was able to invest that money I I really excelled quickly and and I managed to get uh, great contacts and my my full time business was was up and running within um, six months. Oh, so um, sort of now, have you made the uh, conscious decision not to be a, an on screen actress and are you just going to do the um, uh, the voiceovers? And, and, and by the way, I remember you were on the cover of uh, was it Slim and uh, Weight Watchers? Yeah, Weight Watchers. You, you were a cover and you looked absolutely amazing. Oh, thank uh, you on, on that and. Uh, no, I think they absolutely loved you for that. No, I do remember. I do do uh, re remember that. So yeah, sorry, I've uh, I've gone slightly ahead of myself there. So um, you consciously made this decision to be a a voice um, uh, uh, actor. Yeah. Um, and is that something you're you're going to stick with if, if a uh, on screen part came along? Is it something you would? Uh, well, even no, think I'd never about? turn anything down. But um, but honestly, to be quite vulgar, the money's way better as a voiceover than it is as an actor. <laughs> um, and so, for, in that sense, I can I can 
earn good money as a voiceover. Uh, I like on-screen acting and I will go back to it at some point. In fact, this year I was going to sort of once getting over having my baby, I was going to look into getting uh, reels and having some more um, coaching and stuff. But uh, unfortunately, uh, COVID hit, so that's not happening this year. But uh, I'll be able to uh, maybe delve back into it next year. But I just, I, to be fair, I just love voiceover. I do, I get to do the acting side from like um, video games and stuff. And then I also get to do the corporate and the commercial stuff, which is a bit more... Um, you know normal voice so I get everything I need um I, d I did do a presenter reel as well so I'd, I'd like to do some more presenting um whether that's uh, corporate or television but um the, the, there's yeah. so many opportunities out there you just have to really look for them yeah no yeah I think so in fact if anything you're in the perfect job for this uh COVID-19 especially has uh, having a, a home a home studio I was just wondering did um being crew help you um give you the confidence to be an actress the reason i say that i, I remember obviously you know I'm, I'm in the airlines as well i just remember one of our instructions always saying to us uh, you're on show and on stage until that hotel door closes uh, as we're all always always being watched were you sort of aware of that when you were actually sort of flying and did flying actually uh, help you i think I was, I was very aware of it of, of of being watched in that sense but um so I guess you kind of, yeah, change the way that you are. The way that it's helped more than anything is the networking. And and I didn't realize when you come out of the airline industry, if you're going into business, into any business, networking is your absolute key to success. And I would go to conferences and be able to just chat to anybody in the room. And that's a talent that a lot of people don't have. And people just presumed I was incredibly successful already because of the you know manner that I'd walk into a room chat to people ask them about themselves you know didn't just talk about myself um shared experiences and have last you know as cabin crew you're very used to getting on the plane never meeting the people before and then you're best friends within five minutes and that is a skill to be able to do that and and that networking skill is key to any other career outside of the airline industry because if you want to succeed you need to talk to people you need to make contacts and basically networking is just relationship building which is cabin crew you're incredibly good at relationship building because you're so used to having to do it so quickly that that is very true and and not necessarily with the people you're networking with also i'm sure remember with uh cabin crew uh you you're literally a full team with within minutes yeah, of meeting them, and and most of the sort of customers always think we've known each other uh, for years, and we're always sort of quite quick to tell each other secrets. We probably haven't told our sort of uh, nearest uh, and dearest. No, no, it is, it is quite quite an interesting. But no, I, I, I can see what you said about the network. It does, it does give you uh, a confidence to actually go and speak to strangers, and not just that, to get information out of yeah. them. Yeah, um, because that's, I think that's, that's true. the thing with 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 networking and with relationship building with your clients or customers or or anybody that you want to do business with if you've got um little snippets so you know that uh john over there has got two kids and uh he's got a holiday home in spain because you've chatted to them and you've talked about that when when you speak to your customers and your clients next time you can be like oh you know how's, how's the kids and especially with this covid everyone's a bit more personal at the minute so you're like you know how are you coping are you you doing okay working from home and oh i bet you miss you know so and so so having those relationships with people and knowing things about each other it's 
it's a game changer because a lot of people will just confer with clients just about business and they're immediately forgettable. But if somebody asks you something about you, you think, you know what, this person's actually interested in me and not just for my money. So um, it, it really does make a difference. Yeah, that is so true. I was just wondering, what does your um, industry uh, think about you being crew? I mean, I use industry as if you know every single person. But what, what I mean is when you first say, I used to be a... Um, uh, uh, ca- ca- cabin crew. What, what what's the uh, reaction you normally get? Oh, people are the same as anybody. They're just interested. Oh, what was it like? Where did you go? Where was your favourite destination? And people would chat to you. Um, what's fab is I have a lot of uh, friendships with people in the states, and I used to go to the states a lot when I was flying. So um, a lot of my clients now come to me as their English voiceover because they know that I, not only do I know. Um, voiceover but I also know America you know I know the country I know I know what they like uh, I can talk to them about different things about their country so automatically just having that wide broad uh, knowledge of different people's cultures and um, countries just helps with again with just relationship building or they think of me first as their British person um, so, uh, so it does work <laughs> out there yeah yeah well I was wondering when you um when you actually sort of first left uh, and and the trouble in the airline industry you can go with for years sometimes without seeing uh sort of cabin crew so sometimes you don't always know if people have left or mm. not but i do remember you seeing on your on, t- on tv a lot firstly in a couple of commercials which i'll ask you about in a second but mainly uh when you kept on popping up all the time it was either on radio tv as cabin crew and like you you were the um the go-to person for yeah. any news stories regarding cabin crew how how did that happen and by, and by the way you came across so nicely and you really put the uh, cabin crew uh side of, of things across so so well so uh, thank, thank you. you for that but yeah h- how did you become the go-to person there's obviously a story behind that yeah i was i was recommended um by a friend of mine uh to do a series on panorama about um alcohol and flying and i so i did that and it wasn't that long after i'd left virgin i think it's maybe about eight eight months i think after i'd left virgin so i was talking about my experiences with with drunk passengers and um from that they wanted to use me for some bbc news um segments about um drunk passengers and, and it was like a crazy day like after the after the documentary was aired i i had like the BBC and ITV and Sky, everybody ringing me up saying, right, we need you in this studio. And I was literally, in one day, I went from London to Manchester, Manchester to London, ferried everywhere um, and put up in hotels and stuff to go on the different news channels and talk about it. And I think because I'm, because of my experiences crew, because I'm able to talk um, without tripping up too much, although I probably have a lot today, um, and because <laughs> I'm used to being in the media in that sense I just became a, a good a reliable spokesperson someone that wasn't going to repeat themselves too much or someone that wasn't going to swear or you know say things inflam- inflammable is that a scent no I don't know uh, inflammatory inflammatory there you go <laughs> inflammable sorry gosh no no, sorry, no 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 um, yeah <laughs> there's me going yes I'm very eloquent <laughs> but I, did, I think I just became somebody they could rely on and um, and then especially with the radio adverts because there'd be times when if anything happened in the world to do with aviation I knew I'd be getting a call and uh, and then I'd end up having to like separate like two hours of my day off from anything else and I would sit in my studio and I'd just do radio station after radio station and because I have um, a studio setup it sounded good as well so I think it just kind of 
uh, came like that and and it's been it was fun I haven't done anything for a little while actually and especially with COVID now it's I'm, I'm a bit irrelevant I think but um, it was fun you know just nipping off if something happened I'd have to nip off into London and go speak to Jeremy uh, Vine or I'd have to uh, go on to BBC News and and be a you know an expert it was fun for a bit <laughs> yeah well I was gonna say it's probably quite I mean how did it make you feel it's something you wanted to do I know you you trained as a, an actress uh, actress even um or actor sorry I'll tell you what I'll go down these lines no, um, no it's fine <laughs> how how it must have been amazing and it was I mean you came across absolutely fantastic, uh, very articulate, and you put outside very well. And I've already uh, said that. Well, that was very but, um, important to me because yeah. it's, it's really tricky when you're talking about cabin crew because uh, the public, for some reason, will be either be incredibly for or incredibly against. Be like, it's the cabin crew's fault that something happened. And I was really... I just wanted to make people aware what the cabin crew actually did, what they were being put through. And and, and not just by customers, but by the companies sometimes as well. Like the airlines not, aren't always the greatest to, no, um, to no. cabin crew. So I did want, I just wanted to put that forward just to put that view because people don't see it. They just see you as the, the person that gave them their chicken in the middle of the flight at some point whilst they were watching a movie, that people are so unaware of the other stuff that happens. Yeah. And I just wanted to highlight that. Um, it's yeah. it's scary because I didn't want to say anything that would damage any reputations or anything. So it was a bit it was it was hard, especially when maybe cabin crew did something wrong and I had to be interviewed for that. I was that was like oh god, why did that person do that? And I, I just put forward my well, this is what I would do in that situation, and I hopefully that person is being supported. It's just it's it's tricky. Yeah, no, no, I I, I can see, and in fact, you may well get some calls because as you're well aware. Even since you've left the aviation industry through this COVID nineteen is going through a massive change, mm. and I do I do mean uh, massive. Uh, even myself, I'd never even heard of Zoom uh, a couple of months ago, <laughs> and uh, I, I seem to be uh, constantly on it. So I'm just wondering how that's going to affect uh, commercial travel for uh, uh, business people. But I'm sure you may well get a few calls soon just to put your your, your side of it, or if not, maybe you should. Put yourself uh, out there as, again, you are the uh, go-to person for uh, cabin crew. Um, mm. Moving on slightly, I've, I've seen you in a fair few uh, commercials anyway. Uh, mm. I just remember jumping up and saying, oh, it's Ali. So, um, yeah, just remind us again which, which ones you, ha you have been in, just so they can pitch you if they if they remember them. Uh, I, I, do you know, my mind's going blank. Apart from the Weight Watchers <laughs> one, uh, the, uh, the next one I did was a... Um, uh, I can't remember the brand. It was an electricity company. Avid Energy, it's folded oh, now. Right, okay. oh, it? <laughs> it's folded. I feel really bad. Uh, oh, but yeah, no. <laughs> I did an Avid, Avid Energy commercial. Um, I, oh, I know I've done um, a Sealy mattress commercial. Ah, um, oh, right. Okay. Yeah. 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 Okay. And um, I mean, how, how did those come about? I mean, be, being a uh, actress. Um, does it always go for an agent? Yeah, that's sort of, well, yeah, it has for me. You can do it another way. Basically, when I um, when I left Virgin, I I invested as I said, I invested all my money into training, which was which ended up being the most important thing I could invest in. And I invested in business training, so you know how to run a business, and um, marketing training, and also um, the regular sort of you know how to use my voice and how to act and stuff. But what was the most interesting thing for, for me was marketing and marketing covers every single business. So even if you're, you know, just somebody who's running a one man shop at home uh, or if you have got employees, marketing is the only thing that's going to get you out there. And um, when I managed to get so successful so quickly with the voiceovers, I started thinking, you know, what, what else would I like to do? I, I felt kind of I felt unstoppable. I felt like 
I was getting every opportunity I wanted and it was the new year and I thought what do I want to do this year and I thought you know I want to do some more on-screen commercial I love being in commercials it's so much fun it's kind of an intense couple of days shoot I love being on set and so I just thought let's see what I can do so um, using the marketing skills that I I'd learned from a course that I did for creatives I contacted an agent and um put myself out there and I said you know this is me I'm not I'm not a model but I'm a real person uh, you know I, I fall over a lot and, uh, <laughs> and uh, I, I've got a little bit of chub on my, on my bum so I'm not your ideal model but I am a real person and the agent got back to me saying how much they loved my letter because I was just so matter of fact and and honest and talked about what I could do for them rather than what I could do for me and I ended up signing with that agent um, that year and that's how I got into commercials because I was a real person and I do real person modeling now and and do the odd bits um so yeah it just all came from a, a me going now what else can I do um and I think that comes you've got to have a kind of confidence and when you know before I left Virgin I didn't have a huge amount of confidence so I wasn't sure I could do it I was going to give it a go I was fully ready to just uh, pack it up and, and get whatever job I could but uh I did a course in something called um neuro-linguistic programming which is, oh, yeah, it changes yeah. the way that you think about yeah. yourself yeah. and about other events. Absolutely. I can, especially if you're going something through something right now, like with the whole um, COVID and with, with redundancies, I can highly recommend if you can just look at neuro-linguistic programming, changing your way of thinking, it literally changed my life. And I would end up doing, um, I'd do a bit of yoga or I'd do, you know, I'd wake up in the morning and uh, very much like The Secret, you know, you think about five things that you're grateful for, but also start um, I would start like just going through three things in my head and I would feel them so I would feel um I I am I, um, I think my first load of mantras that I used to do is I am successful I am worthy and um and I'm kind because I thought you know I, what, what do I want to be this year and I thought I want to be I want to give more to other people I want to be kind I want to talk to others and I want to make people feel good about themselves I want to be successful and I want to feel worthy and I would feel those things and uh, and that I think that was the key for me because I just felt I felt unstoppable then because I felt worthy I went for these opportunities and when you look for them there are so many opportunities out there yeah no I I, I totally agree with that I've been um I don't know why people sort of uh, come to me, but I've, I've had loads of messages saying, uh, "Oh, Trevor, what am I going to do if I get, uh, if I get redundancy?" And I've just been saying, "Whatever you do, don't just jump into the first job because you can and just be miserable in yeah. six months down down the line. Uh, you're going to have a bit of money with uh, redundancy. Give yourself a breather. Obviously, don't blow it all because a year's salary. Uh, I don't even know Alex Chisnell, but <laughs> so a year when he took redundancy, a year's salary." When you've taken redundancy, doesn't last a year. It does not. So no. That, no, I'd quarter that. Yeah, exactly. So yes, give, give yourself a bit of uh, uh, breathing space. Uh, get, get a job by all means, but have a plan because it's just so easy to do something you've always, always done. And I like, I like the way you sort of suggested about completely changing uh, your mindset, yeah. which, uh, which, it's which you've totally done. Yeah, I must admit, I've changed my mindset seven seven well so many different times it's uh, unbelievable but uh, I, I just keep going because i enjoy what i do um but no i i totally agree with everything you say say there um but hopefully because we're, we're also doing podcasts uh for not just crew on how to start a business and uh that's the kind of thing we've been sort of uh mentioned uh, other than uh sort of uh practical help mm. as well uh what's gonna ask you, you know when you do now you're with an agent 
Um, firstly, um, when you go to an agent, is it sort of like an audition? Do you have to sort of audition from? I mean, that they probably get so many people come to them. So you sent a letter. Uh, and usually do they reject lots of people or it, they might not even get back to Yeah, they but, um, might not get back to you, it? yeah. Uh, if you're approaching agents, what I'd say is make sure you go on their website and um, and follow their protocol because a lot of different agents, uh, they want different things. They might want an, an email, they want, might want you to submit a form, they might want you to send a file in a certain way. So make sure you're doing what they, make it easy for them uh, do what they like because you'll be rejected if you don't do it the way they like uh, with uh, as with all marketing make it about them and not you so um, when you're emailing yeah. them just you know say what you can do for them what hole do you fill in their roster because if they've already got uh, two or three people just like you then actually they're probably not going to need you so just look at their roster see if it's a good fit see if you're a good fit for them and tell them you know where you will fit in that roster where where in the people you know I'm I'm quite like this person here but I've got this added edge um and uh yeah it's it's really hard to say because it is is, it's a dog-eat-dog world and there's a lot of competition but you can stand out in different ways just make sure that your material is good um for voiceovers you need demos and for demos you need a bit of coaching to make sure that you're ready to make a demo um they're not the the cheapest things to do but there are some good people out there Uh, I wouldn't scrimp and save um and yeah, just be the best that you can. It's really, it's really um, tempting to just go straight in there to like have recorded a couple of things on your home studio and think, oh, I'll just try and get an agent. But you only really get that one chance to make a good first impression. So make sure all your ducks are in line. Make sure that you're polished, ready to go. You've got a good website. You've got some branding. And that's not just talking about logos and stuff. I have no logos on my website. I just have a, a finished, polished website because I want my clients to go onto my website and think, oh yeah, she's professional. She's, you know, my voice is quite neutral. So in fact, my colors are quite neutral, um, but with a cheeky smile every now and again, is it, it branding yeah. is just how you're represented. Everything has to be polished before you start approaching agents. Um, it, it's hard because you have to have a bit of patience, but um, when you, if you work hard at it, you can do it quickly. Yeah, I totally agree with that. Actually. I, I see this uh, quite often when, when people talk of brands or when people think about brands, they just think of uh, major companies. But they, they forget every time you go for interview, you're your own brand. Yeah, uh, and absolutely. it's an absolute must. It is a, you, you have to have um, you have to have your own personal brand values uh as well yeah so no, i think that's a really important thing and I, i've seen your site and it is it's absolutely wonderful hence why you're getting all the work you are mm-hmm. uh, from, from a um from a, a novice site how it's gonna sound really strange but how the hell do you learn uh, a script and when you're when you see that script are you thinking in the person that you're meant to be uh, what, what it, it doesn't sound a lot but what, what's the whole process for learning the script i'd love to know so um on screen learning yeah that's that's uh, diff- different because you have to know the script without the script in front of you voiceover i have the script in front of me so that's fine um but on the screen obviously you, you can't have the script in front of you so you just have to i learn it just parrot fashion so it becomes so ingrained in me and then i can add in the different flavors i can add in you know who i'm talking to and, and what the meaning is behind but the most important thing for for scripts uh, you have to be a good sight reader for voiceover I'm gonna, i'll talk about voiceover first off um, and that includes video games and stuff you have to be a good sight reader and i practice practice every day even if it's just reading what's uh, on the sh- the bottles in the shower uh, i just practice reading <laughs> without tripping up too much uh, driving along the road i'll read every sign or you know if i see something on television i'll read the adverts that sort of thing um you have to keep things in your mind um 
particularly who you're speaking to and, and I'll talk about video games because commercials and stuff you, who you're speaking to is the audience and you're selling so you know you're whether you're conversational and a little bit cheeky because you're trying to relate to somebody or if you're authoritative and talking about something that you really do know a lot about so that you can sell this item because they need it that's that side of things but with video games you're playing characters so where are you in the space are you in a tiny room are you whispering are you in danger are you in a big field are you shouting are you having an argument what's your relationship with that person where have you just come from where are you going there's like a whole massive uh, array of things that you have to be kind of thinking about when you're in character but the one thing you can't think about is how you sound because the minute you start thinking in your own voice your own voice is going to come through on the character so you have to kind of just be that person and in that field which is tough because you're usually in like a little box uh, padded room um talking into a microphone <laughs> and not to the person that's opposite you i just did a uh, i suggested last year maybe in september time i did a really big video game that's coming out soon um that I can't talk about, but it's coming out. Um, yeah. But it was very shouty. It was very like battlefield in the middle of the the um, middle of a battle, and I'd have to be really screaming at the at the uh, at the microphone and pretending that I was speaking to thousands of uh, warriors in front of me. But uh, but yeah, no, I was yeah. just in a padded room, so you have to have a lot of imagination. Padded room. That sounds a bit scary being locked up in a padded room. Um, <laughs> I'm used so, to the isolation. So... Let's just say that. <laughs> so 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 when you're um. Uh, I mean, this computer games is a massive industry. I, I'm, I, I must admit, I, I'm not a gamer, but then again, it's not because I don't want to be. I just don't seem to have uh, any, time, any right? time. I don't <laughs> have any any time uh, at all. So, um, when you're doing gaming voices, mm. uh, I'm assuming there's other uh, they use other people's voices, male and female. Um, what's the sort of connection? You don't do this all together. Is, is each one recorded recorded separately? Yeah, uh, yeah, it's very rare to do it as an ensemble. I think in animation you can do ensemble pieces, um, but for video games it's mainly done, you're just one person. You might hear the other person's lines so you can go off them, but a lot of the conversations are kind of just, you you, you speak. You need a good voice director for that, so uh, I've been lucky to work with some really good voice directors. Um, but uh, yeah, it's tricky, you have to kind of imagine what the other person is going to sound like when you're answering a question. Yeah, in fact... You've led me on to my next question. Um, with voiceovers, how does it work with a director? Obviously, when you're on set, they're in front of you. When mm -hmm. you're in your own small booth, your own recording studio, yeah. How what's the um, how does it work with a director? Can they hear you while you record it live, or do you record it, then send it to them, and then they? put their aura in or a bit of both um for, how, how yeah for bigger bigger productions or bigger companies um they'll listen in so they'll listen in like there's a there's a, a software called source connect uh where you can in fact they can record it they just do all the recording or the editing um, themselves uh sometimes i work via skype so they'll listen in on skype and my, my equipment's hooked up to skype and i'll record and then i'll send them the files in fact i did um since covid uh, i've done quite a few bbc promos from my little uh, studio <laughs> at home and been directed over Skype. I've done some national radio commercials in the last uh, few months, just from my little my little cupboard. <laughs> and, uh, and they just listen in over Skype so they can direct as you go. How, um, how big is it? My cupboard? It's literally... Yeah. Your studio. Yeah, no, I'm like a, I'm, I work like a Harry Potter. I'm under the stairs. It's, I literally have the understairs cupboard. I can stand up in it. No. Um, yeah. And I've got um, some acoustic curtains and I've got foam and I've got cushions and I've 
just kind of yeah I've taken a course on how to um treat an area so it sounds I can't block out noises coming in um so you know if the neighbors uh, turn on their their washing machine I'm 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 not able to record that day but I've yeah. got a great relationship with my neighbor she's brilliant I'll just text her and say oh hey can I have a, an hour and she won't turn the washing machine on um but the uh, the most important thing is the the treatment of the room so the the audio sounds good it sounds professional it's not bouncing it's not echoey yeah, I must admit, out of all the guests I've had on uh, Not Just Crew, you sound the clearest that I've ever heard. Phew. And my sound has <laughs> certainly let me down. No, 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 it's absolutely brilliant. brilliant. So look, what's been your uh, biggest commission other than playing a, an air support girl, of course? Oh, well, of course. Of um, course. Gosh, that's a big one. I was recently, in fact, and, and I'm playing it right now. I, I mean, a, a video, a virtual reality video game. I'm playing it on the Oculus uh, Quest uh, called Vacation Simulator. And it was, uh, I, I am playing it. I am in it. So don't, that's, that sounds weird. <laughs> but no. I'm only like one part. So I don't, I try not to listen to myself. But the game itself is really fun. And that was nominated for a BAFTA this year. So I'm really proud to be a part of that. Oh, it didn't wow. win, but it was nominated. No, no, no. Honestly, even that because I mean, your crit has built up really, really quite, quite quickly, pretty much from the moment you left. Yeah. Really, because I, I was watching with uh, great uh, interest. Is there any part that you've done and you really regretted it, and you wish you hadn't taken it? Oh, that's a good question. Um. Mm, no, because everything's been a learning experience. Like there's, there's, there was one part that I played, um, that uh, I played an African woman, and because I've you know travelled to Africa quite a lot, I can do an, an African. I did an Afrikaans accent, and um, yes, but now yes, uh, but now <laughs> I wish I hadn't done that because now knowing, and that was at the very beginning of my career. Uh, now I'm I'm more passionate about I think um, parts need to be cast authentically so uh, that part should have gone to an African woman and not me because I get a lot of opportunities to, to do what I do uh, in this voice so I don't need to be taking other people's opportunities so I guess in that sense because it was early on in my career I didn't really know I was just excited to be in a video game uh, now I'm a bit more you know if, if somebody asks me can you do th this accent I'll try and find them the genuine accent rather than doing it myself um, because sometimes I think things do need to be cast more authentically what what, what about regional ones say uh, in Britain would you um, if somebody said right Ali we want you to be a, a, a Geordie today yeah, would you that's to that, or would, yeah would you do that? I do do that yeah yeah I can do that I, and I'm quite happy to do that because um, you know sometimes they've not always got the uh, Geordie actresses and so in fact I played a scouser yeah. in a, a video game I did last year uh, which was fun wow. <laughs> How do you, how do you go about? I mean, picking up an accent. I mean, say uh, flying to Africa like you. I, I can't help it. I, I do the Nigerian accent a lot. Not because I'm ridiculing, but it's because I actually really like it. Yeah, it's fun to play with, <laughs> isn't I, it? Yeah. Yeah, and, and again, so I, I I get upset for other people when they think I'm trying to sort of upset them, but I'm not. It's just I like it, and I'm bored. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> crew are always they will go straight into an american accent as well without even thinking sometimes it's because we're we, surrounded we, we by go... it yeah you become like a sponge i think don't you? you kind of start picking up other people's when i go to the states now i end up with some kind of transatlantic accent where i'm halfway between english and halfway between american because you just get used to speaking that certain way to uh, to other people um yeah i think it's a way of relating to each other as well with different accents but i i mean i've always i've always done accents so i love 
I love it. It's fun. Like you say, you like I like playing with it and being different people. I drive my husband mad because he hates it when I do a Scouse accent because I, I put it really on thick and uh, <laughs> it drives him mad. <laughs> it's just yeah, fun. Yeah. No, no, it is. It is. Well, listen, go, moving on slightly, we um, sort of mentioned this earlier um, on Not Just Crew. We've been doing a few uh, COVID-19 specials, not necessarily on the illness itself, but how things are going to change and uh, sort of crew if redundancy does come setting up their own business uh, you've got a passion as being a, a voice uh, a voice actress how do you find running the uh, business side of things um in what sense in well just sitting down doing your accounts uh, yeah, doing just... everything else that Every other company has to do, but they don't always want to do it, but they have to do them anyway. There's stuff that I can't do, like uh, taxes, uh, because I'm not, I, I'm mathematically challenged. Um, I, I hire out, <laughs> so I've got an accountant. Um, and, and as my business gets bigger, uh, I'll probably hire out for marketing and stuff like that. You can get virtual assistants, which yeah, um, which yeah. is really good um, for that sort of thing. But I actually, the stuff I enjoy, I love marketing. I like researching. I'm, I'm, I'm researching uh, global companies at the moment. And I'll give myself, I set myself a time to do stuff. So I'll say, right, I'm having an hour. And I literally start my stopwatch and I'll have an hour of research or marketing or admin or something like that. And I, I find that helps being a bit more self-disciplined, doing that sort of thing. And um and just being rigid with it. So with like expenses and invoicing and stuff like that, I have systems and I work through it methodically. And that's the only way that I can kind of wrap my head around it. Because, you know, being crew from 21 years old, I, I never really had like a business experience until I was in my mid-30s. So that was a whole different learning curve for me. And the only way I could do it was by being methodical and going through it. And, and you know, practice makes perfect. So how, how does I, uh, being an actor work? Um do you trade as a sole trader or is it a limited company? Or I just, I'm, I'm saying, not I'm... registered. No, I'm just I'm just self-employed basically at the minute. I, th I mean, I could become, there are some voiceovers that are limited companies um, or sole traders, but it gets more complicated with taxes and stuff then. So I just go for the most basic one, which is I'm self-employed and give everything to my accountant. <laughs> Yeah. Is it is it uh, unionized at all? Uh, yeah, uh, kind of. Um, we have um, Equity, which is the actors' union. Um, in in the states, they have SAG-AFTRA, which is very strict. So you really you can't do any non-union jobs if you're a member of the union SAG-AFTRA, and um, and they have you know a real high standard on rates and um, performance. It's really hard to get into the union itself. You can't do a union job unless you're in the union. So in America, they have a real strict system. In the UK, it's it's it used to be stricter. You had to. I mean, I think you do yeah, that. I remember. I remember equity used to be really. It used tough. to be really hard to get into. I, it might still be now. I mean, I I had a. I had a equity card when I was a teenager because I was an actor when I was a teenager. So I just, you know, reinstated my my status. So um, I was fine with that. Um, and they are fighting, but they're not. They don't set as strict rules on things like rates as they do in the states. So um, you know they're working hard, but it, it might not be the same as as the same strength as the American Union. With with the um, American Union, how does that work with? Uh, say British actors come, coming across um, do they have to temporarily join that union if it because it sounds like it's quite a uh, closed 
uh, shop. Yeah, is you can join you can join the American Union as long as you've had those contracts. It's really tricky in the sense I, I can't I, I won't even bore your listeners with it. It's like no. you know it, yes, the stuff to do with uh, visas and sponsorship, and you can do you can be Taft Hartley where you can do one union job, but the next union job you do you have to join. Uh, yeah, there's a whole array of stuff that uh, is it's too boring <laughs> to even talk about. No, very okay. Well, look, um, just moving on again. Um, you said it was all covered under the stairs, mm-hmm. but you've got to take credit for it. You built a recording studio, which I think is absolutely amazing. How much of that did you get involved with? I know to, I know to you, it's just a room under the stairs. Yeah, no, I did it all. Quite, there's quite, yeah, there's quite a lot of te- technical equipment there. Um, mm. It is... I wouldn't even know where to start. Can you just tell me, please, a bit more about it? I'm so interested. <laughs> I, I took some courses, <laughs> as with everything. Um, there's a there's a great uh, resource called Gravy for the Brain, um, which is, despite the weird name, it's actually all about voiceovers, and they have a lot of courses on how to build a home studio. So I joined them and kind of binge listened and binge watched all the webinars on how to build a home studio, and. Uh, you know, I tried different equipment and the found the micro. I've been through like four microphones in my four years um, because I'm finding the right one for my voice. And this one I'm really happy with. Um, and then, yeah, you just kind of you just gain a lot of knowledge through experience. I have a set sound engineer who uh, I, I hire to like listen in occasionally and just say, you know, is this sounding right still? Do I need to move anything around and um, do I need to you know, fill any gaps in the wall? Um, so, yeah, so yeah, I just took a lot of courses on how to do it. I built the studio that I'm in right now. I built it when I was eight months pregnant because <laughs> oh, wow. I was doing some weird <laughs> nesting thing. But I was like, nope, I'm completely redoing. So I gutted my cupboard and I put all like thicker foam in and different panels um, so that I could make sure that the sound sounded really good. Yeah, honestly, I'm absolutely mad. What, what's the, you talked about mics and I must admit, since doing these podcasts, I never knew there was such an array of mics from condenser. Uh, honestly, yeah. it's quite a science uh, in it, in it, in itself. Uh, you're saying you like the mic you've got now. Yeah. What's different from that one to other ones you've had? What, what, what? In fact, you can name the mic. What, what mic? Are this you is using? a Sennheiser MKH four one six. It's it's a shotgun mic and um, really good for home studios because it doesn't pick up as much background noise as some of the more um, uh, sensitive like condenser mics. And uh, the only thing, uh, yeah, it's tricky because without trying, you have to go and try these microphones. This microphone is particularly good on my voice. Uh, as a female, it picks up the higher ends a bit different and different mics pick up different qualities. There's a, the, the Rode NT1 mi- uh, microphone's better for male voices or deeper female voices. Oh. So yeah, it's real. Like, there are so many different microphones out there. So you just have to kind of try them all until you find the one that fits. No, honestly, I, I just think the science... It's amazing, absolutely amazing around it. Sorry, that's, I'm probably boring everyone now, but no, I, I really do. And, and so when you were in there recording, mm-hmm. and you did touch on this sort of earlier, but say when you recorded our uh, intro for the uh, Air Support International Airways, yeah. um, did you just go straight into being posh, or is there for a split second, are you playing a 90, do you think as a 1950s 
female. Yeah, especially if I'm doing a different voice or a different accent. So uh, I'll probably go through the script once or I'll, you know, I'll, as I'm setting up my microphone, because I'll, I'll be do, testing the levels, I'll be like, I'm testing, testing, one, two, three. This microphone is now working. And I'll just do something that's, you know, I'll just be silly and play with the voice in a different setting. And that usually sets me off. Or, you know, if I, I've got certain, even doing corporate stuff, like what's really popular with corporate right now is conversational reads, but they want you to be super smiley and positive about it. So I'll be setting up my equipment going, okay, so I have got my sound wagging right now and you just need to open up this file and everything is ready to go. And it'll just be, wow. you just play around with what, you just chatter. You sound like a lunatic. Yeah, do you, um, do you ever listen back later and, and want to do the things again? Or when you've completed that project, does it just go out of your mind? I kind of have you, to. because just I'm, close it off? Yeah, I'm quite busy. So I, I don't really have time to look back too much. Um, so, yeah, kind of just I edit it because I do the editing for a lot of my clients as well. So I'll edit it and send it off. If I'm Whilst I'm editing, if there's something like, oh, that doesn't sound right. Or no, I need to say that a different way. I'll knit back in the booth and just record that one line and then go back and uh, edit and send it off. But yeah, there's there's literally no point. And when, especially when it comes to things like doing auditions, there's no point going back on stuff because if you do, uh, you'll just you'd start kicking yourself and you need to just move forward and onto the next job. Yeah. How would you, um, how would you teach somebody to say... Um... The air, the air support girl voice. How would you even teach that? Because a lot, a lot about acting is actually they also are very good teachers as well. I would say, um, like with like with anything, reference. So I I spend a lot of time on YouTube. So when you said you wanted that nineteen fifties sound, I went on YouTube and I just watched a whole load of videos with that kind of voice and you know talked over the video sometimes to try and match it and see you know feel where it was in the mouth because you know your mouth uh, you, you speak different words like the, so um, air support is quite high up in my palate and I, my tongue is quite rigid and my mouth doesn't move very much and, and that you kind of think okay that's how my mouth feels when I'm saying those words and that's my character so um, so yeah do it like that. <laughs> no that, that, I mean it was amazing because I, I remember well you asked for a brief and I thought, oh my God, what 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 do I want? And then I remembered I wanted the word here in London yes. emphasize. And yeah. you got that. You honestly, you sent it back to me. You said, Oh, is this okay? And I thought, wow, this is absolutely amazing. <laughs> it really was that here in London was absolutely perfect. Because I've been trying to teach my girls to speak posh, as you know, yeah. I sound quite quite posh myself. Well, yeah. But this is this is this 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 is how I did it. So you're gonna have to follow along with me here. You have to um remember all these. I'm going to ask you some questions, but remember the answers and then put them together. There's only three questions, but this is how I've been teaching my girls to be posh. Um, so, Ali, what do we breathe? Air. Okay. And what's the opposite of heaven? Hell. And what's the opposite of high? Low. Can you put them all together for me? Air, hello. Yeah. Does that work? That's I like I it, yeah. <laughs> it's the same and, uh, that you can uh, you can teach the Geordie accent by saying uh, John Paul Gaultier broke the photocopier because it's got really good like O's. Simon Costello's yeah, going to be mad yeah. at me for this. Oh, well, I will, well, no doubt he'll be listening to this uh, at some point. <laughs> All right, listen, I'll give you a little quick technical quiz. Um, oh, can you explain to us, uh, no, what is a pop filter? A pop filter is a, a sort of a shield that goes over your microphone to stop because um, the microphone is very sensitive. It picks up things like plosives. So if you say your P's and the air shoots at the microphone, the microphone will, will bang a little. It will pop a little bit. So the pop filter just helps reduce that air hitting the microphone. Oh, wow. 
They are good. And do you know what a Blue Yeti is? That's a USB microphone, I believe. It, it, wow, look, 100% there. That is absolutely, <laughs> <laughs> absolutely amazing. Um, just one thing, what would be your perfect commission? And are you hinting at people to give you that perfect commission? Oh, that's tricky. Uh, I want, like, um, I want, what do I want this year? What's my aim this year? A big commercial, a big national. Oh, no, okay, if I'm going to go really big. So the guy, the, I know the guy that does the, um, uh, I think, oh, is it Dolce & Gabbana? Dolce & Gabbana, light blue. No. That. Uh-huh. Yeah. So it's four I, words, that, that, guy, that, that, that guy had to speak. And it was a, it was a global advert. Everybody knows the Dolce wow. & Gabbana, light blue. Yeah, of course. That guy bought a house with what he earned from that, those saying those wow. four words. Yeah, that is, and that's 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 more than ten pound an yeah, hour. That is, <laughs> no so I would okay, I let's... would go for that. That if I'm going to do anything, that's what I want. I want a big global commercial. That's true. Well, as you know, Ellie, many uh, Hollywood uh, producers do listen to uh, not just true. And if they wanted to, where would they contact you? <laughs> uh, you can visit my website. Um, uh, uh, what is my website? You can visit my website, uh, AliMurphy.co.uk. <laughs> Uh, you can follow me on Twitter or Instagram at Ali Murphy Voice. Brilliant. Okay, just before we wrap up, uh, knowing what you know now, what would you change from your entire life? Nothing. Absolutely nothing. I've I've had some like horrible dark times, and I've had some wonderfully joyous times. But every single moment leads to where you are now, and I think that's important to remember when you're going through stuff like redundancies, because whilst this change isn't what you planned you might in five years time look back and think oh thank god that happened because if that didn't happen I wouldn't be where I am now so it's really hard to see it sometimes when it is dark but try and see things as changes and opportunity and so I wouldn't change anything in my life because even the times I made horrific mistakes um, they led me to where I am now. Ali Murphy, that's absolutely wonderful. It's Ali Murphy, a voiceover actress. And hopefully, um, see, I'm not sure how much you know about this project. This project was actually started last year. It was meant to be set in a gorgeous studio. And it was meant to be very the fluffy side of being cabin crew of airlines. And there's COVID-19 set. So hopefully, once our actual studio is set up, I'm really hoping uh, you'll be able to join us. But Ali Murphy, thank you very much. It's been an absolute pleasure uh, speaking to you. Please contact us at hello you at notjustcrew.me.